Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Luke 18, 1 through 5. And Jesus told them a parable about their need to pray always and not to lose heart. He said, In a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor had respect for people. In that city there was a widow who kept coming to him and saying, Grant me justice against my accuser. For a while he refused, but later he said to himself, Though I have no fear of God and no respect for anyone, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will grant her justice, so that she may not wear me out by continually coming. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Why do we pray? We pray to connect with God. Because he loves us and wants to hear from us. We pray because our world is broken. Because only his power can bring healing. We pray because we need his help, even when we don't realize it. Because he is the only one who knows everything. Sees everything. And has authority over everything. We pray because we need a miracle. Because he's given us a miracle. Because his blessings are immeasurable. And his creation is glorious. We pray to feel his presence. To know him more deeply. To understand his word. To find hope and strength. We witness his profound grace. His incredible power. His beauty and majesty. And the warmth of his love. When we pray. When we pray. When we pray. When we pray. Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, the meditations of our hearts, be acceptable to you, our strength, our Redeemer. May these words be your words for all that I don't speak, fill in the gaps. For all that I misspeak, corrected in our hearing, O God, that we may hear your word today. Amen. We've been looking at prayer. Our study groups have been studying the book, The Circle Maker, by Mark Batterson. And um, in particular, we've been looking at a whole nature of circling our dreams, our problems, our hopes in, uh, in prayer. That there is something that is um, marvelous about the circle. Um, This week we want to start talking about how to pray. Not just the power of prayer or the willingness and desire of God to answer our prayers, but how do we approach God? Anders Ericsson and his colleagues at the Berlin uh, Music School about 30 years ago did a study on the violinists that were there. And they divided the violinists into three groups. There was the 
the group of students that they felt were they were good violinists but probably would not play professionally. And then there was this group in the middle that would probably play professionally. And then there was this elite group that not only would play professionally, would, would be known for their ability to play the, the violin. Um, what they discovered was that you need to have talent, yes, but that the amount of hours that those uh, violinists practiced had to do with their performance. There was, at about uh, age 10, a divergence in terms of the number of hours spent. The, uh, the, 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 the group of violinists at the bottom were 4,000 hours. The ones in the middle were 8,000. And then the most elite were 10,000 hours of practice by the time that they were 20 years old. That's a lot of practice. That is a lot of practice. Other studies have been done on the whole nature of practice and repetitive uh, uh, behaviors. Malcolm Gladwell, in his book, The Outliers, expanded this research to include musicians, sports, uh, chess, industry, and and found the same thing. In fact, he he studied the Beatles. And (laughs) some of you I know remember the Beatles, right? Okay. Do you know the Beatles were terrible when they started out? They could not get a, a gig in Britain because they were so bad. And so they, they were able, because Germany was desperate for British, for British bands. And so they, they got all these, all, all these different appointments and gigs in, in Germany. And in Germany... Um, you would start at like 4 o'clock in the afternoon and go until 12 or 2 o'clock, 12 at night, 2 o'clock in the morning. And what Gladwell found out in his research is that when the Beatles crossed 10,000 hours of performance, they came back to Britain, auditioned for their first record, and were a completely different band. 10,000 hours. Practice, practice, practice. The same is true of prayer. The more we practice, the better we are in our prayer. Prayer is a habit to be cultivated. It's a discipline to be developed. It's a skill to be practiced. Now, I don't want to reduce prayer into some kind of time formula. Because I truly believe that God hears all of our prayers. God hears the prayers of a four-year-old. God hears the prayers of someone that has been praying their entire life and has made their life a, a, a life of prayer. God hears all prayers. But our own comfort and our own uh, sense of connection in terms of prayer has to do with the practice itself. I, I truly believe that. And I think that's what Jesus is trying to tell us in the parable of the persistent widow. It's an interesting parable there in chapter 18 of Luke. Um, And it's an interesting uh, picture of prayer. I mean, the judge, for goodness sakes, is not uh, even honor God. (laughs) You know, he, he admits in his disdain for God. But this widow will not let him go. She keeps coming to him and coming to him and coming to him until finally he so wears him out 
that he relents and gives her justice. And, and Jesus basically is making the point that if this unjust, godless judge is willing to give justice to a persistent widow, how much more will our God who loves us be willing to answer our prayers? And here's, here's what's interesting about this passage. The Greek word that is translated, she is wearing me out, is actually boxing terminology. The Greek word hupovizo is literally to give a black eye. Now, I'm not suggesting that we should give God a black eye. Um, But I am suggesting that we be real with God. When when you look at the Psalms, they're, they're Psalms of praise, they're psalms of, uh, of adoration, but they're also psalms of deep, deep sadness and, 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 and lament. And, and that where they call upon God, and you can just hear the pain and the crying within those laments. God wants us to be real, to, to in, in essence, to, to let out who we are before God, to cry before God. Now, God's, Jesus is not saying we should give God a black eye, but he is reminding us that prayer is blood, sweat, and tears. It is praying like everything depends on God and working like everything depends on us. It is praying until God answers, no matter how long it takes. It is um, knocking until our knuckles are raw, crying out until our voice is lost, pleading until our tears run dry. It is praying through the tough times. And if we pray through these tough times, God will come through. Now, Batterson... Batterson, in his book, refers to these types of prayers as desperate prayers. Now, I, I kind of take exception with Batterson at this point. I don't like the word desperate. I like the word eager. I would rather talk about eager prayers, that we eagerly approach God, that we are eager for God's presence, that, um, <clears throat> that there is an eagerness to pray, even if it is through the night, eager enough to circle the promises of God countless times, eager enough to pray long and hard and and loud, eager enough to pray for months, if not years. If you remember that in the first sermon on this series, we talked about the character Honi, who was a historical character within the within the Hebrew history that the, the people went to Honi because of his connection to God through prayer and asked him to pray for rain during a generation-threatening drought. And Honi circled himself several times and cried before God that he would not leave the circle until God answered his prayer for rain. And then he got more and more specific about the prayers. And there's nothing that's, that's orthodox about the prayers of Honey. And really, there's nothing orthodox about the prayers of the persistent widow. Because God doesn't care 
whether we are orthodox or not, all God cares about is our approaching God, our desire to be, to be in God's presence. That's what's most important, is being with God. If Jesus were worried about protocol and orthodoxy, Jesus would have chosen the Pharisees to be his disciples. They were the religious people of the day. But instead, Jesus chose fishermen, tax collectors, the outcast. Jesus valued the prostitute who came and anointed his feet with oil and, 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 and asked for forgiveness. He calls uh, attention to the tax collector who climbs a tree in order just to get a glimpse of him. He honored four friends who tore a hole in a roof to lower their friend down that Jesus might pray over him and heal him from his paralysis. And Jesus honored the woman who drove a judge crazy because she wouldn't stop knocking. Now, I want to be clear here. Prayer is not magic. Prayer is not magic. It's not trying to find some kind of formula, some kind of set of particular scriptural phrases that we can use in order to get our way. Prayer is not a magic formula. Prayer is an approach to God to let God know our desires, our hopes, our dreams, our problems, and then to listen to hear God's answer. To be willing to be shaped by God through our prayers. Because God not only answers our persistent prayers, but God shapes us. He moves us. He directs us when we pray. Not only do we have the opportunity to circle our prayers in a deep longing for solutions and miracles, but God is also circling us with his presence long before... (laughs) Long before we woke up this morning, God was already circling us and circling the day that was before us. God will continue to circle us throughout the day, even when we don't know it. When we were conceived, God began to circle us. And and Wesleyan terms, we call it prevenient grace, that before we even knew who Jesus is or was, God knows us and is wooing us and following us and inviting us into his presence. Now, prayer is not magic. It is not getting what is want. It is a connection of give and take, of being shaped and moved. So what are the ways to pray? That's what we're going to talk about this week and next week. And I want to start by outlining what is my favorite form of praying. For one thing is certain... Our most powerful prayers are linked to the promises of God. And the place where we find the promises of God are within the Scriptures. The place where we find the promises of God are in the Scriptures. And so, to pray, for me, it begins through praying the Scriptures. And I would start with praying the words of Jesus. 
the, the Lord's Prayer, the Beatitudes, the parables of Jesus. For within each of those teachings and learnings and opportunities, there is a promise that we receive through Jesus Christ. There is a promise that He gives to us. And the very last words of Jesus, the very last words of Jesus from the cross is, it is finished. And what Jesus is telling us is that the the salvation and the connection that I have offered to you through my sacrifice has now connected all of creation back to God. And that work is finished in my death. And now comes the resurrection, not only of Jesus, but of our lives with God and our connection with God. No matter how many promises God has made, they are all a yes in Christ. So we start by praying the words of Jesus. Second, to pray the words of all the scriptures. In Isaiah 55, 11, Isaiah tells us this. He says, so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and succeed in the things for which I sent it. In other words, what what we're being promised here is that when we pray the scriptures, that they return to us, sometimes in ways that we can't even imagine. But no scripture is ever wasted when we offer it up to God. It returns to us in blessing. It returns to us in opportunity. And, And so in essence, this changes the way we read the Bible. The Bible wasn't meant to be read like a novel. The the Bible was meant to be prayed while we listen for God's Word. It is meant to be an opportunity to hear the promises, to circle them, to receive them, to claim them. The Bible is a promise book, a prayer book. And while reading is important... To some extent, reading is reactive where prayer is proactive. It is putting before God those promises. And by the way, conservatively, depending on how you read the Bible, there are at least 3,000 promises that are in the Old and the New Testament. 3,000 Wouldn't that be great if we could find all of those and claim them for our lives? That we should take a pen with us every time we open up our Bibles and to circle circle those promises and to claim them one by one for they are meant to be linked with our lives. And and one of the reasons why I think we stop praying is that we run out of words. I I don't know about you, but do you ever run out of words when you pray? You know, you just... What else can I say, God? I've I've told you all. But there is no way that we can run out of Scripture. And and so instead of just filling in the gaps with cliches and the same words over and over again, to, to pray the Scriptures is to truly pray the Word of God, to pray the promises that God has offered to us. And to circle those promises over and over and over. Let me tell you why praying the scriptures is so important to me. Um, 
When I was 12 years old, I had a, uh, a Sunday school teacher. And, and I got to tell you, when I was 12 years old, I was interested in playing football and baseball and being outside and going on campouts. And I, I wanted to get school done and not have to worry about any more schooling. And I had a Sunday school teacher that made us memorize Scripture in the Bible. I just hated it. Anybody else have that experience? I mean, she made us the 23rd Psalm, the Lord's Prayer, the Beatitudes, and I'm just, oh gosh. And she would, she would embarrass us unless, unless we could stand up in front of the class and, and, and recite those passages. One evening, my mother and father and grandmother, my grandmother lived with us, um, since I was two years old, she and I actually shared a room till I was seven uh, and helped raise my sister and I. They called us into the family room, my sister and I, in the family room. My mother was crying, and my dad had one of those looks on his face. And they shared with us that my grandmother had a very aggressive form of breast cancer and that she was going to be having surgery. And at that particular time, uh, way back when, I mean, it was radical surgery in terms of what they removed and then in terms of the radiation and other forms of therapy that she received. She was, for six months, a very, very sick woman. And the chances of her surviving beyond that six months was not good at all. And we got her home. I remember we got her home, and she needed care still as she recovered. And... um it was my job to sleep on the floor in my grandmother's room. And if she needed anything, then I was the one that would go to get my mother. I was the go-between. Well, my grandmother, because my mother worked, didn't want to bother her. And so if it wasn't real serious, she would wake me up and she would say, Johnny, go get me a, a, a washcloth that's wet. Just wet my head, if you will. Just, just put it around my neck so I can, I can get cool, you know. It's... And there were nights when, when she couldn't sleep and she would groan. And so I prayed. And I'm 12 years old, I didn't know how to pray. So I started praying those scriptures that I had memorized. The 23rd Psalm and the Lord's Prayer were the two main ones. I would pray them 50 times a night. Each one of them. I would count them. I got to where I could do the 23rd Psalm really fast. I didn't know how to pray, but I knew the scriptures that my Sunday school teacher had taught us. Sometimes I would fall asleep in the middle of those prayers. Sometimes I would stay awake because of whatever else was going on with my grandmother. I'm convinced today that the remission that my grandmother received and the almost two decades that she lived beyond that uh, very, very serious occurrence of cancer were the prayers of that 12-year-old boy that prayed the 23rd Psalm over and over and over and over and over. That kept knocking until my fingers were raw and praying until there was no voice left. 
and offering up to God only what I knew, His Word. Pray the words of Jesus. Search the Scriptures for the promises and circle them because that's what God wants for each of us. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your love for us and your desire for uh, the purpose that you have set before us. And I thank you in advance, O God, for what you're doing and what you're going to do for us. We don't know. You, You may have a new future that is beyond our wildest expectation. And so, O God, we put our lives in your hands, wholly and completely in your hands, because we know you love us. If it be that the desires of our hearts would be, would be known, let it be. But if not, oh God, we trust you. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.